John chapter 15, while you're finding that, I just want to thank those of you that helped, volunteered, brought candy, gave money for candy, candy for our tailgate and treat we had this past Wednesday night. Had a great turnout. A lot of guests were visiting our church for the first time. We're introduced to you guys, and uh, you looked awesome, did an awesome job. We couldn't have done it without your help. And uh, again, we're, we're blessed to be a blessing, and Wednesday night was a huge blessing. Again, we had to move it indoors. That's the second time the last two years we've had to move indoors. And so uh, uh, hopefully the weather will clear up and we can get that back outside. Uh, but thank you so much for your help. Well, this morning, uh, I want to look at this passage of Scripture uh, here in John. Uh, it's where Jesus was teaching his disciples just prior to his arrest, prior to his crucifixion. And this morning I'm going to start out looking at this passage beginning at verse 5 this morning and dig into what Jesus was teaching his disciples, but also what he wants to speak into our lives today, what he wants to speak into us as individuals, as families, as the church today. And so we're going to pick it up in uh, verse 5. There of chapter 15, this is Jesus talking here, and he says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying here, he's speaking to his disciples, he's saying, I am the vine, you as followers, you're the branches. And just to give you a little context to what's taking place here, this was the night before he was going to be betrayed. He was going to be arrested. Jesus tried to explain to his disciples one last time about what's about to take place uh, and what's going on. He had been trying to teach them and lead them uh, to this moment and to this time throughout his ministry. Uh, they seem to be struggling to get the point, to understand exactly what it was that was going on and what was about to take place. And so now before it all starts to unfold, Jesus is sharing with them here that he's about to be taken away from them. Okay? And uh, we know that, you know, this really upset the disciples. I mean, put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. Uh, they're probably... Uh, having a lot of doubts, they're having uh, uh, a lot of thoughts, you know, how, how could this be, how could this man that we left our jobs for, this man that we left our families for, this man that we walked away from everything to follow him uh, and to go into this ministry uh, with him, and after three short years, he's telling them, I'm no longer going to be with you, I, I'm about to leave. And the place where I'm going, you can't go with me right now. And so no doubt the disciples uh, are struggling with this news, right? They're struggling with uh, what Jesus is telling them. They were disappointed, saddened by this news that they were receiving. And, and here's the deal. They still don't understand yet that Jesus is about to do something so radical that not only would it impact those that he came in contact with, but it would change the entire world. It would radically change the opportunity for all of humanity 
to be in a relationship with Jesus and not just those who would be in contact with him. And, and so they, they didn't fully understand that. And so Jesus is trying to help them understand uh, the importance of this. And so he gives them this illustration. He gives us this illustration today of a vine. He speaks to the vine and he speaks to the branches and he speaks to the fruit that is produced. Uh, and, and all of these things were used to illustrate not only the power of God that can work in our lives, but also the joy, the joy that we can have through being connected to Jesus Christ in a, a relationship with Him. And he speaks to that, uh, if you'll skip down in verse 11 there. He says, I've told you this story about the vine and the branches and the fruit. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And here's what I know about some people who are following Jesus, Jesus today. Some of you may have lost your joy. I talk to followers. I talk to Christians all the time who found themselves in a situation or found themselves in a place, and they would admit, you know, I've, I've lost my joy. Uh, and you may be in a situation today where life or circumstances, or maybe you've allowed someone to rob you of your joy. Listen to me. God's plan has always been, God's desire has always been that His kids, His children would experience joy. And live lives that are filled uh, with joy. And here's the deal. You can uh, ask just about anybody uh, that you come in contact with. What is it that you want out of your life? If you could have one thing in life, what would it be? And one of the top answers that people would share with you when you ask that question is this. I just want to be happy. Right? I just want to be happy. I want, want to have a happy life. And, and, and so here's, here's the problem with that though. God's plan and what the world tells us will bring us happiness don't line up, all right? They don't agree. Uh, you know, God and the world do not agree on how happiness can be accomplished and how we can have joy in our lives. The disciples, I want you to think about the disciples here for a minute. Their idea of experiencing joy all right, obviously had to do with experiencing the physical Jesus, right? Because now that he's telling them he's about to be gone and he's not going to be with them anymore, you know, they they're, have their doubts. They have their concerns. They don't know what's going to happen. And, and so they basically had associated this joy with Jesus in being with him in a physical capacity, in His presence. A relationship that they could touch and see and feel. But think about it. That's not really the message of the Bible at all, is it? The message of the Bible is what? Faith in Jesus. Right? The message of the Bible is faith. It's, it's about what you can't touch and what you can't see. And the relationship with Jesus is, is simply that. It's about faith. Faith believing that He is who He says He is. And oh, by the way, He was teaching them just a little bit earlier about the Holy Spirit that would come, but that would be even a greater help to them than He was. And we have that available to us. And it's our faith in Him and in the Holy Spirit. And even though we can't 
touch him or we can't physically see him today. So, so what does this look like? What does this joy look like that Jesus is speaking to here? And, and where does it come from? Well, let's dig into this today and, and see what Jesus wants to teach us about that. And the first thing that we need to understand today is this in Jesus' teaching here is the fact that Jesus is, he says, the true vine. Skip, go back up to verse number 1 there as he begins here in chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus is the true vine and don't miss this, God the father is the gardener. So what does that mean to us? Well, if God is the gardener of the vine, then think about it. He owns the vineyard, right? He is in control. He is over all. And if nothing else, we need to understand that today, that God owns it all and God is in control of all. Everything we have is His. And as much as we like to think that we're in control, you actually... Uh, uh, some of us actually think we're in control of what we have and we're in control of our bank accounts and we're in control of our 401ks and retirements and all those things. Folks, if we only knew how little control we have over anything, He is the one who is in control. He has full control. He is the owner of the vineyard. Everything we have is His And we're not the gardener. And don't miss this. Did you notice what Jesus is saying here about who he is? Uh, We need to understand who the Father is, but we also need to understand who Jesus is. And he says, I am the true vine, which tells us what? If Jesus is the true vine, then there must be other kinds of vines. Right? Because he's saying here, I'm the true vine, which means there must be some vines out there that are false right? That are not true vines. There are some other vines out there. There are some other sources out there that will offer you happiness. There are some other vines out there. There are some other sources out there that will offer you instant gratification. There are some other vines out there. But we can't miss the fact here that the only way to have the kind of life that He wants us to have and that He's promised us, a life of fulfillment and a life filled with this joy that He speaks to is through the true vine. And there's a lot of people that are tapped into vines that aren't the true vine trying to find fulfillment and happiness out of life. There's a lot of people in this world today that are trying to find fulfillment and joy outside of Jesus and outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that may be where some of you find yourself today. You may have walked in here today in in that very uh, uh, shape. But Jesus says this kind of life that he's talking about, it's only going to come through him. Quit trying to graft yourself into all these other things that the world is offering you and that looks good. It can only come through Him. So what are the, some of the other types of vines that people try to connect themselves to? Well, people try to connect themselves to popularity and power in order to find some sort of fulfillment or joy in their life. Others try to find it with money or material things. Some try to find it in unhealthy 
relationships. Some people have connected themselves to their jobs so closely that they're, they're trying to, through their job vine they're connected to, they're trying to find some sort of fulfillment or some sort of joy uh, in their life. And, and, and all at, at some time, try to connect to various things to bring us happiness and some sort of meaning to our lives. But Jesus pointed out, you know what, a man can gain the whole world. You can, you, can, uh, you can obtain it all. You can earn it all. You can buy it all. You can have it all. Jesus said you can gain the whole world and have everything that the world has to offer you. And at the end of the day, you are left with nothing if you have lost your soul. Wasting a life searching for something in this world that only Jesus has to offer us and only Jesus has to give us. Jesus makes it clear, apart from Him, we can do nothing that has any real value. Folks, apart from Him, you can do nothing that will have any eternal value. And that's all that really matters out of your life is that we do things for Him that are lasting and eternal. Jesus is the true vine. And don't miss this. We are the branches. We are the branches. And as children of God, we must understand we're not the gardener and we're not the vine. Right? We are the branches that must stay connected to the vine. And then we will produce what? He says fruit that will last. Lasting and eternal fruit. We're not the master. We are his servants. We are not the owners. We are his workers. We are not the creator. We are his creation. And we only belong to him because he bought and paid for us through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And that brings us to the second thing uh, that I think we can't overlook in this passage this morning. If we're going to enjoy life to the fullest, if we're going to uh, enjoy a life of joy and a life fulfilled, then we must remain in the true vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. And then look what he goes on to say in verse 2. He says, he's talking about the gardener here, the father. Don't miss what he's saying. He's saying, the gardener cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And then you skip on down there to verse 6. He says, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and wither. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I, I remember when I was a kid, I had an uncle that raised grapes. Uncle Dean had grapevines. And I, I'll never forget those grapes. I remember, uh, you know... Couldn't hardly wait for the grapes to get ripe and, and, and turn, and, and we'd pick the grapes off, but there was really nothing better than Grandma making grape jelly. Man, does anybody make grape jelly anymore? Because it was so awesome. Lynette's mother used to make it, and, and uh, it, it was so good. But I, I remember those grape. I don't know why I actually remember those grape vines, but I do uh, as a kid. And I can also remember something else that my Uncle Dean would do. He would go out. And he would begin cutting on those grapevines, and it looked to me like he was, he was mad at them, right? Like, you know, he's, he's tired of fighting these stupid grapes, and so he's going to just destroy them. 
you know, but that wasn't what he was doing at all. I would think how crazy it was that he would cut off all of these vines and all these branches that had produced all of this, you know, these grapes, you know, in the past. And if he would just let them grow and he would let them get bigger and spread and get even bigger, you know, then, man, he would have so many more grapes. But he, he knew a whole lot more about grape growing uh, than I knew about grape growing and even when those vines would start producing fruit, he would go out there and he would cut off the vines and uh, the ones that didn't have the little grapes on them and the ones that weren't producing fruit. He would cut them off. Uh, and don't miss this. He was cutting off the branches not producing fruit. So why? So that the fruit-bearing branches would get more of the good. Right? So the fruit-bearing branches would receive all the nutrients and the sap in order to make that fruit bigger and better. And it's a perfect picture here of what Jesus is talking about. See, a lot of us may not be familiar with growing grapes, but the ones that Jesus was talking to knew a lot about grapevines. They knew a lot about a vineyard. It was a normal uh, way of life for them to spend time in the vineyard and to grow grapes. And Jesus is saying here, you get the picture, you know. Jesus is saying the gardener, the master, you know, just like you go out and trim up your vines, the master will cut off every branch attached to him that is not producing fruit so that the fruit-bearing branches right, might have more fruit and produce better fruit. After all the rain that we've had the last few weeks, uh, I don't know about y'all's yard, but my yard is filled with limbs. Anybody else? There's just limbs laying everywhere. I don't know what y'all do with your limbs where you live, but uh, we like to burn things at my house. It's a dangerous occupation. Uh, my wife would tell you that I should not burn anything uh, because we have to file insurance claims. There's just all kinds of hazardous things that take place. Uh, she's got a great story about me burning leaves with gasoline that she loves to tell. Um, but, but anyway, so, uh, you know, we, we have, we've always had a fire pit at, at our house. So we could burn leaves and burn things that we just like to burn or, or, or blow up. And, and, and uh, as I was thinking about that and I was reading this passage of Scripture, I, you know, of all the places that Jesus could take you, I would hate to know that I was be, being taken to the burn pit. That he would look upon me or look upon a church and want to even imagine taking us to, to the fire pit. And I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to take me. I want Jesus to take this church to places that we've never been before. I want Him to take us places that we've never imagined before. I want Him to give us opportunities that we've never had before. I, I, I want Him to, to show us new areas of ministry that we've never even dreamed of, that we've never even, even thought about uh, before. I don't want Him to take us and lump us with all the other dead branches. Do you see what I'm saying? Because this is exactly what Jesus is saying will happen here if we're not producing fruit. And staying connected to the vine. Don't miss this. Jesus is telling us here, the gardener prunes the branches that are not producing fruit. And what Jesus is teaching here is not really hard to understand. Folks, this wasn't a riddle that he threw out there for us to try to figure out and, and try to interpret. It makes perfectly good sense because dead branches 
take up valuable space. Dead branches don't praise Him and bring Him glory. Dead branches waste time. Dead branches waste energy. Dead branches suck the life out of the others. Right? Dead branches are always taking and never giving back and producing fruit. I would go on to say, dead branches probably never never tithe. (laughs) Dead branches probably complain all the time. Dead branches probably talk holy, but walk unholy. And I believe that if I asked for a show of hands today, not a one of us would raise our hand and say we would like to be viewed as a dead branch. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is clearly saying that some of us are being viewed as dead branches, not producing fruit. And so we, don't, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't want to call ourselves that because Jesus also says, oh, by the way, the dead branches will be removed and they must be removed so that others can produce more and better fruit. And listen, we may uh, be producing fruit, but that doesn't mean that we're not exempt from a little pruning. Uncle Dean would still prune around those branches that was producing fruit. And some of you have experienced that because sometimes we've been talking about in this series we just came out of. What? God wants to make us into His likeness, right? He wants to shape us and form us and make us into His image so that the world would see Him and not us. Well, folks, sometimes that takes a little pruning, (laughs) That takes a a little trimming. Every one of us as God's children has things in our lives that He wants to clean up or get rid of. Things in our lives that hinder us from being who it is that He wants us to be. Things that hinder our ability to bear the kind of fruit that God wants us to bear. And so sometimes He needs to cut that away. It's like surgery. It's never pleasant, but sometimes it's necessary. And so there are times when we must undergo some pruning from the gardener. And folks, not because he wants to hurt us. That's not the point at all. It's not because he wants to damage us. It's because he wants to make us better. He wants to make us stronger. He wants us to produce fruit for him that will last. Again, not for our pain, but for his glory. And when God is finished with us, our lives will bring him glory. And we will experience a joy and we will experience a fulfillment in life because of the pruning and experience things like we never had before. And the last thing this morning is this, and I believe it's important that we notice this. And it's this word remain that we see here multiple times in this short passage of Scripture. In verse 4, Jesus says, remain in me. And I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then again, verse 5. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Then verse 6 that we just looked at says, If you do not remain in me. So do you get the point? We must remain in Christ. We must remain. This word remain here is also translated to abide, right? To remain, to uh, uh, abide, which simply means this, to stay, to stay put, to dwell with or continue with. All right, maybe the best way to think about it is like this. How does a branch get the nutrients And the sap it needs to stay alive and produce fruit. 
Well, the answer to that question is the same as to the question, how do I remain in Christ? Stay connected. Right? Stay connected. Stay hooked up with. Dwell with. Continue with. Continue in Him. Stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to Jesus because He says He is the vine. And here's the deal. Jesus doesn't just tell us, stay connected and then leave it at that. He, he helps us out. All right? He, he points us forward in, in how to do that. He goes on to tell us a, a few things that will help us to stay connected. Look at verse 7. Jesus says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you. So to remain connected, we'll stay connected to his what? His words. If we... To remain connected, we'll stay connected to His words. What's a way that we can do that? Continually dwell, stay connected to His words, which we find in His Word. Huh? You see the connection there? You see where the nutrients is coming from? You see where the good stuff is coming from? He's saying, my words will be remain in, you, in me and my words in, in you. We need to get in God's Word on a regular and ongoing basis. And folks, not just on Sunday, but it speaks to this consistent, continuing, remaining, abiding. So His Word will remain in us. God's Word is the sap that carries what we need to keep us alive. And to stay connected, we must remain in His Word. And then he goes on and he says this, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How do we remain in Christ? By asking. Huh? By being in His Word. By asking. We must remain in what? Prayer. We must continue to pray. We must remain in prayer. And the more I talk to people, the more I realize when people are, are, are having a, a situation or a scenario where they have crashed and burned or they know they're not where they need to be in a relationship with God, nine out of ten times it comes back to the fact that they have not remained in the Word and they have not stayed connected to God through prayer. That's a path for destruction right there. And Jesus is saying, remain in me. By talking to me. Remain in me through my word. This is how you abide. This is how you stay connected. He, he, he wants to be in relationship with us just like a parent does with a child. I, I shared in early service this morning. I used to feel sorry for my kids because Lynette is like a, uh, she's a conversation driver. Right? And we're all guys in my house. As a matter of fact, when my boys were very young, when... Uh, uh, they were little bitty boys and just learning how to talk. I taught them uh, this thing to tell their mother anytime she got out of line. And it was this. This is a man's world and you're just visiting. Uh, because we were all guys in the house. And so she went and bought a female dog so she at least have one partner. Now she's got two daughter-in-laws and we're fighting a losing battle. But... Anyway, guys don't like to talk. We talk about it in our marriage group. Women need conversation. Men don't need conversation. And Lynette just wear our boys out asking them questions. Even when they were little and when they were in college and still today, she's always wanting to initiate conversation with her kids. Why is that? 
Because she wants to know what's going on in their lives. She wants to be close to them. She wants to know, you know, uh, what's going on and where they need help and what maybe struggles they may be facing. Listen, God is a so much better parent than any of us could ever be, and He just wants to be in a relationship with us to where we're in conversation with Him, connecting, abiding, remaining in that relationship with our Heavenly Father. And just like any parent wants their children to communicate with them, our Father just wants Him to do that as well. And then in verse 9, Jesus says this. He goes on to say, You remain in me by being connected to my words, by, being, by talking to me. And then Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, as the gardener has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now Jesus has already taught them an important lesson here while he's been with them on this earth, and it's this, what the greatest commandment is. It was quite controversial that Jesus would come and say, I'm doing away with the old law, here's the new law. And they said, well, what's the greatest command? And he said, well, the first is this, to love God, to love the gardener, to love the one who owns it all, to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the other If you'll stay connected to me, remember, I am the vine, and through me flows this love, right? Through me flows this love, and you will. What's the fruit of being connected to the vine? You will love others, huh? Being connected to the vine, that fruit will be your fruit, that you will love others. If we're going to remain in Christ and experience joy, that he speaks about here in verse 11. If we're going to be fulfilled in this life, can I just tell you something? We must love other people. There is nothing more fulfilling than loving other people. There is nothing in this world more fulfilling than helping others. And we got some little shoe boxes out there. You have no idea the impact a shoe box will make. We'll think we're just putting toys in it and they're going to open it up and have a ball to throw around for a few days. But with that box... With that giving, a child is not only given a a, a little toy to play with, but they're being presented with Jesus Christ, the vine, that they can be connected to, right? There's no greater gift than giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no greater joy, no greater fulfillment than helping those around us. That's why we do Thanksgiving boxes. Here in a few weeks, we're going to be asking you to buy some clothes for some students. Because there's no greater joy, no greater fulfillment than being generous as our Father is generous. And Jesus, think of how generous He was. He didn't just give a shoebox. He gave His life for you so that we might be saved. There's no greater fulfillment that we can have out of life than being connected to this uh, vine that love is flowing through. And can be experienced in our own lives. And what he's saying here is this. This kind of love flows out of him. And so we must remain in that love. Focus on loving him. Focus on loving others. This is how you remain in him. So the question here today is this. He's speaking very clearly here about remaining in him. So what happens if you don't remain true to the vine? What happens if you don't remain in the vine? Because he's 
obviously speaking here to the fact that there's a way. It's pretty obvious that he's telling us here to remain. So it's pretty obvious here that we have a choice whether to remain or not. It's not doctrine. It's just what Jesus is saying. I mean, it's not a riddle to try to figure out. Today, you can choose to be attached to the vine. You can make a choice. He gives us a free will today to make the choice to be grafted into the vine. Right? And if you've never been, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, today he's saying, hey, you can be grafted in. You can be a part of the vine. You can be connected today. Right? Or you can not be attached to the vine. It, it's your choice. I created you as a human to have a choice, have free will. And luckily for a lot of us, the gardener, we've learned throughout his word and throughout our lives, he's pretty patient with us. He's very patient. Patient like a loving father. And there are some of, there are some people in the church today that would say they're attached to the vine. But in all reality, there's never been any fruit. They would say that they've been attached to the vine, but you know in your heart that you're really not attached to the vine. And according to Jesus, to not be connected to the vine means not being connected to Him. And I pray that you understand today that not being connected to Jesus without Jesus, you're lost. And I'm going to tell you today, that's one thing in your life that you better get right. That's one thing in your life that you need to be sure of. Is that you're connected to the Savior because He is the only one who saves. And I would encourage you to do that today and get right with Him today because there's a day coming... There's a day coming when the dead branches are going to be carried to the fire pit. And that may sound harsh, but I'm going to just tell you it's a fact. And the Bible speaks to a place called hell. It's not popular preaching in churches today. And churches aren't exploding and growing because they're preaching about hell. But hell is real. It's a real place. And so maybe you're here today and you're just hearing the warning. And today you would ask Jesus to accept you and graft you into the vine. There also may be some here today that have lost that joy that we talked about earlier. And can I just tell you this morning, in a relationship with Jesus, your joy will not come and go. All right, when you're connected to the vine and He's flowing in you and through you. It's, it's not a joy that's hit and miss and, and, and comes and goes. This joy that Jesus speaks to of here, he says, I tell, I'm telling you all of this because it's about the joy. It's about being fulfilled because the only way you're going to find fulfillment and joy in your life is being connected to me and me flowing in and through you. And, and so, uh, you know, as you remain connected to him through things like prayer and through things like being in his word and through things like loving on other people that is the greatest joy and fulfillment that you will ever experience in your life is helping someone else that you're on this journey with 
And I believe this morning we all have room for a little pruning in our lives regardless of where we're at. And the gardener, he doesn't want to hurt us. It's not what it's about. He doesn't want to hurt us. He wants us to be stronger. He wants, he wants to make us better. He wants us to produce more fruit and to remain in Him and be connected to Him. And so this morning, as we close, I think as we open this altar, these altars this morning and close with a time of prayer, uh, we just need to be open and honest. This morning, the gardener has maybe put his... His finger on some things in our lives that we know need to be pruned so that we can be stronger and better and produce more fruit. I don't know. Maybe this morning you would just like to come and say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever been grafted into the vine. I may have had an emotional experience, but there's never been any real fruit there. Maybe you would just come today and nail that down. Say, I want to be in the vine. I, I, I want to be where the love flows. I want to be where the fruit is. I want to be where there's fulfillment and joy. And not just on this earth, but we sang about it earlier. For all of eternity with Him in heaven. You want to get that right. You don't want to miss that. Maybe this morning there's something going on that you just need to come pray about. You want to bring to this altar this morning. I, I invite you to come. It's one of the greatest opportunities we have. I believe one of the greatest things that we do is closing out the service with a time of prayer, just allowing you to come and pray. So this morning, before we close, if you'd like to come, please come and pray. God, this morning we just thank you for your presence here today. It's an awesome reminder to be reminded that we're in the presence of the gardener. And not only that, but if we have accepted you as our Lord and Savior, the gardener is our father. The owner of all things is our dad. And because of his love for us and through what he did by sending his only son to die on the cross for our sins we can inherit the kingdom of God as well we can be heirs to the throne we can be joint heirs with Jesus God we, we love your word so much thank you for giving us your word Thank you for the reminders that it gives us. It, it, so many times, we're, we're so encouraged and so excited. Your word is alive, it's active, it, it, it's well. But, but sometimes it's your word that, that uh, does the pruning in our lives that needs to take place. And God, I trust today that your word's probably done a little bit of that. It's never, never pleasant but it's always necessary. 
because you're just trying to make us more like you. You're, you're just trying to, to form us and fashion us into who our Father is. And so, God, we know that you don't want to hurt us. We know that you want to make us stronger. You want to give us more fruit. You want to use us to get the fruit for your kingdom, for your glory, for your honor. So, God, today, I, I know your word's not returning to you void. That's a promise that we have. God, today I pray that we'd be available and obedient to what you want to speak into our lives and what you want to say and do. None of us are here by accident today. None of us just happened to stroll in here on November 3rd, and this was the message. Uh, It was for every single one of us that walked through that door today, and there was a reason and a purpose behind it. Maybe for some it was they've never actually been connected to the vine and they've been connecting to all these other vines that the world has to offer but not the true vine and today this has been a reminder to them that it must be you that they're connected to and today would be a day of decision today would be a day of commitment they would surrender their life to you and they'd be grafted into the true vine today but God I believe there are probably some people here today that have lost their joy and that's not of you But your reminder today is that in order to remain in you and to remain in this joy and the fulfillment is to remain in a right relationship with you. And sometimes we allow things to push you aside. Uh, We allow other things to take up our time instead of being connected to you through your word and through times of prayer. Father, forgive us for that. But help us. You sent us some help, the help of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would accept the help and welcome the help and allow you to help us to remain. Thank you for this awesome reminder today of the importance of remaining in you. Because that's where the love flows. (laughs) And that's what it's all about, your love for us. And in turn, we'll love others the way that you've loved us. And I pray that we'd be a church that looks just like that. That we'd be a church that looks just like you. We would love on others lavishly, richly, generously. We say it a lot. We've been blessed to be a blessing. And God, we want to bless other people the way that you've blessed us in our lives. So help us as we go. And God, again, we're so grateful and thankful we're not having to do this alone. Not only do we have your help, but there are so many other great churches that are scattered around us in this community in this county today that are gathered and worshiping the same Lord and Savior that we are we're blessed to have some great congregations that get it and are doing this right and are building the kingdom of God for your glory and it's not about them it's not about their building it's not about their sign but it's about you what a blessing it is to partner with them we were reminded today of a beautiful partnership just Our friends down there at Antioch in Conway, you're doing a tremendous work in and through them. And I'm thankful for their pastor and staff. And I love them. I love their heart. I love what you're doing in and through them. And thank you for the opportunity for our women's ministries to be able to partner with them. To encourage one another and build the kingdom. So God bless what they're doing as well. You're not just at work in Greenbrier, but you're 
at work in all these different churches and all these different areas. And God, we love to see it. And we want to be a part of it. Let it begin in us. Let it begin in them. Let it begin. And let it continue. And let us remain in you. Thank you so much for this awesome reminder today. I pray for these that have gathered around these altars today. These that have come in here carrying a great load or maybe a burden. You know exactly what it is and exactly what's going on. And we join them in bringing that to the throne of God. Where we can lay it at your feet and leave it there. So God, I pray that you would do what only you could do. And that we would be available for you to do it through us. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.